by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that we might bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Two scripture passages to share with you this morning. The first from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth as my witnesses against you right now. I have set life and death, blessing and curse before you. Now choose life so that you and your descendants will live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by clinging to him. And then from Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and then 38 through 39. Paul writes, We know that God works all things together for good for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord, not death or life or angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or anything else that is created. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. basic belief in God is that God is good and that God is powerful. But people for centuries have have debated and have wondered about what it means exactly for God to be in control. Does it mean that God literally controls every single microscopic detail of our lives and of the entire universe? Like, is God a controlling micromanager? Does it mean that since God is in charge of everything that happens, that does it mean that since God is in charge in that way, that everything that happens in life reflects the will and purposes of God? So God meant for the University of Virginia to win the NCAA basketball championship? Well, I'm sorry, dear, I forgot our anniversary. I guess it must have been the will of God. Sandy Hook or the Orlando Club, God-ordained? Then on the other side of the spectrum, right, does it mean that God kind of just set the world in motion uh, but really kind of sits back and observes from a distance, is pretty uninterested in day-to-day affairs? Part of the reason, right, that people have wrestled with with this tension over the years is because it inevitably leads to serious questions like if God is good, and God is in control, then why do bad things happen? And so for some, the answer is simple. Well, clearly there must not be a God, or God is pretty uh, uninterested and not involved. For others, the answer is, well, God is in charge of everything. Then that means everything happens for a reason. It was meant to be. It was God's will. So God had a reason for the Holocaust happening. It was a part of the plan. Once we start to examine the idea that everything happens for a reason, we quickly see that it does away with the concepts of human agency and personal responsibility for our actions. Right? If, if everything happens according to God's unalterable plan, then whatever others or I choose to do 
must have been God's will. God must have needed me or wanted me to do it. Otherwise, God wouldn't have let it happen. If I drink and drive and get in a wreck, well, it was the victim's time. So I was just doing what God willed me to do. We also see another problem, right? If, if everything happens for a reason, then tragedies happen because of God's will and not in spite of God's will. I mean, think about how this plays out by just looking at the headlines from the news for the past year or even just the past week, right? So every heinous act, every disaster, every, every sickness are part of God's plan, divinely ordained. I mean, that's, that's awful to think about, right? And it leads to this kind of fatalism, indifference. Well, we aren't in control. Whatever will be, will be. So don't waste your time eating healthy or wearing your seatbelt or, or seeing a doctor because what's meant to be will meant to be. Why should we try to make a difference in the world? But Scripture paints a picture from God from the very beginning that is neither micromanager controlling puppeteer nor cosmic watchmaker who just set the world in motion, wound it up, let it go, hands off. But more like a loving parent. A parent who invites his kids, a parent who invites her kids to make their own decisions, even though sometimes knowing the possibility exists that they will make the wrong choice. But the very first scripture passage this morning, the Deuteronomy passage, echoes, right? It echoes the creation story in Genesis where God gives Adam and Eve the authority to rule on God's behalf in the world, to, to show and demonstrate God's glory to the rest of creation, and then gives them the choice, right, to follow in God's path or not, represented by the fruit tree, right? You can choose life, you can choose death, and we know what happens. But God gives, did you hear that? God gives the same choice the same freedom to the, to the Israelites as they're about to enter into the promised land. I have set life and death before you, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Now choose life by loving and serving the Lord. And God likewise gives us freedom to make choices for better or for worse. God can still be powerful and good and in control and yet not dictate every single choice that we make like we're just mere puppets. God can empower us and persuade us by grace. And sometimes we choose the good. And it's beautiful. And sometimes not. Our actions create consequences. Our choices produce results. So... That sense of, of cause and effect that everything happened for a reason suggests, that sense of cause and effect, well, that, that part's probably true. But that's usually not what we're referring to when we say everything happens for a reason. We're usually not referring to cause and effect. We're usually speaking in response to suffering. We're usually speaking in response to suffering or something bad that's happened. We're trying to help someone. It, it, it helps us cope, even just for a little while. Like an overzealous small group discussion leader, we want to fill the awkward silence. 
We want to fill the awkward chasm between why some people die young and some live to be old and senile. We want neat formulas. We want nice packaged reasons and formulas where tragedies are just tests of character, where there are no setbacks, just setups, where good things happen to good people, where God rewards you if you have a certain kind of faith. If you're good and faithful, God will give you health and wealth and happiness. We want to quickly reassure ourselves and others everything happens for a reason. We're searching for control. We're searching for control. We think we're affirming God's control, but really we're after our own control over a situation that we don't understand. Kate Bowler is a professor at Duke Divinity School, and she became a kind of unintended celebrity with the publication of her memoir, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies That I've Loved. Just a few years ago, in her mid-30s, she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And prior to her book that was published, she actually kind of began this journey by writing an op-ed in the New York Times. And she later did a TED Talk in which she reflected and described what happened after that op-ed was published. She said, I got thousands of letters and emails because of the questions that I asked in that op-ed. How do you live without quite so many reasons for the bad things that happen? Would it be better to live without outrageous formulas for why people deserve what they get? It was funny, she, she said, because I, I thought I'd ask people to simmer down on needing an explanation on bad things that happen. But people wrote defending the idea that there must be a reason for what happened to me. They want me to understand the reason. People want me to reassure them that my cancer was all a part of God's plan. A few letters suggested that it was even that it was part of God's plan that I would get cancer so that I could help people by writing about it. People are certain that it's a test of my character or a proof of something bad that I've done. They want me to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a hidden logic to this seeming chaos. They tell my husband, while I'm still in the hospital, that everything happens for a reason. Then they stammer awkwardly when he says, I'd love to hear it. Perhaps people are thinking about Paul's words in Romans 8.28 when he says, God works together all things for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But that's not the same thing as saying everything happens for a reason. In chapter 8, Paul talks about the Spirit of God giving us life, giving our mortal bodies life even in the midst of suffering. Promising us that we are, we are still God's children in the midst of suffering. Paul goes on to talk about how the present suffering the, Romans are, the Roman Christians are experiencing is nothing compared to the, to the glory that will be revealed one day. And so in the meantime, as they sit in the midst of that suffering with that, that distant hope and don't know what to pray, Paul says God's spirit intercedes with sighs, with groans too, too deep for words, pleading our case before the Father. So in other words, even in the midst of suffering, we can know that God is, is still there working all things for good. Notice, however, notice Paul never says 
Paul never says that these present sufferings are happening for some kind of larger purpose or reason. Paul doesn't say that whatever happens is a part of God's plan. Paul doesn't encourage Christians in Rome experiencing great difficulty that by saying that, that, that what is happening was just meant to be. He doesn't present a formula or a reason. He introduces a presence. God's presence. Working in the middle of the darkness to bring about light and to bring about goodness somehow, some way. He says no matter what happens, no matter what happens, however bad, God will somehow bring good out of it. As one of my clergy friends is fond of saying, God did not cause it, but God is not going to waste it. I know I found that to be true in, in my life, in my most painful experiences. Somehow, strangely, God managed to bring something good and beautiful so that the horrible thing didn't have the final and ultimate word. Many of you know Courtney Bloodworth, a member of our congregation, of our church family, living with cancer. I texted her this week and told her the phrase that we were going to be looking at as a congregation because I thought she would have some important things to teach us. And I wanted to hear them. And what she said when she texted me back was, was beautiful. In fact, she should be preaching this sermon and not me. She says, I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but I do believe God prepares us for situations and promises to, to be there if we just look for him for strength and guidance and hope. Though I don't believe everything happens for a reason, I do believe God does bring good out of every situation. My situation sucks, but I can honestly say I took so much for granted before my diagnosis. Little things that I thought meant so much mean nothing now. I truly try to live each moment with intent and purpose. I feel so blessed for every memory I'm able to make with my family and friends. Even when Cross is having a giant meltdown, I remind myself, I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky to be standing here to witness this. I've had people reach out to me, people I've never even met, tell me how much of an inspiration I am to them and how they're able to get through whatever is going on in their life because of my strength and faith. I don't think God made this happen. But no matter how horrible my situation is, strangely enough, some good really has come from it. God works all things together for good. And Paul concludes that chapter in Romans. Paul concludes chapter 8 with some of the most encouraging and hope-filled words in all of Scripture. I'm convinced that nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ. Isn't that exactly what Jesus' resurrection proved? God transformed evil into ultimate good. Love outlasts all, even death. God has the final word. And yet anyone, anyone who's experienced pain and hardship 
and suffering and devastation of any kind knows that it signals the arrival of three questions that sound like this. That they're both shallow and deep all at the same time. Why? God, are you here? What does this suffering mean? We don't want to live in the tension of those questions. And so any answer that God might give, or even just an increased awareness of God's presence when the answers don't come, gets overshadowed and drowned out by everything happens for a reason. But maybe, maybe when we stop the obsession with formulas and reasons and hidden meetings, we might just discover a love that we cannot explain. A love that will never let us go. Maybe as we stumble around in the wreckage of what might have been, we'll discover that there are other people there with us. Most of all, God is there with us. A God who didn't cause this mess, a God who, uh, who didn't cause the pain, the suffering, but a God who is determined that it will not be wasted. A God who is determined to work it for good, a God who is determined to be with us forever, no matter what. So the earthquake, the shooting, the car accident, the separation of families at the border, the cancer, the abuse, whatever tragedy or hardship, there is not some divine reason that these things happen. They are not God's will. And thinking there must be some kind of conspiracy for good behind them happening does not make them easier to handle or understand. Everything does not happen for a reason. There's not some kind of cosmic game going on. People are not robots whose good or evil actions count for nothing. Positively, we can act for good in the face of evil. Negatively, we can, try, we can thwart God's plans for good or frustrate them. God's intentions. However, God's way into the future, God's dream will finally and ultimately never be stymied. God's love and God's life will persevere. But in the meantime, in the meantime, the world is constantly shaken with things that are wonderful and things that are horrible. So are our lives. And we don't have to try and balance the scales in our mind. Is it enough to know that, that life is so beautiful and life is so hard? And our God, who is loving and good, is right there in the middle with us? God, God is in the darkness. Love is in the darkness. The reason is not there. But God is. The reasons may not be there. But God is. May that be enough.
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.